Psalms 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he, might, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thank you, Ella and Laney. Can you tell which one's which? No. I'm still learning. Last week, our pastor began to, or really launched us into a new sermon series called Marks of a Disciple. Can I have the monitors turned down just, just, a, just a little bit? I don't know about you, but when you hear a recording of yourself or hear yourself back, it doesn't sound too pleasant. But, but he began to talk about Marks of a Disciple. And in the first sermon, he emphasized really a preeminent mark, which is love, to love God and to love others. And this morning, I've been tasked with the second mark to share with you, and that is to grow. Now, Jenny and I know something about the subject of growth. I know many of you will not believe this, but six foot one Adam today eight years ago, only came up to my shoulder. When he was 15 years old, Jenny and I began to notice that he stopped growing. And in that, that, that period of, of not growing, we began to notice other things like maturing as young men mature, uh, some behavioral things, struggled really, really uh, you know, just difficulty in school, and it alarmed Jenny and I, and uh, so we took him to his pediatrician and said, hey, we're, we're concerned. He has been this height now for a long time. We're beginning to know some things in his behavior and his maturity. He really related to the younger kids, more than more people his age, and uh, it, it began to, to alarm us, and his pediatrician just, just called it right off. He goes, well, he's growth hormone deficient. He goes, but let me run some tests, and so he took a some blood tests, and uh, it came back. He goes, yeah, I really don't think he's producing any growth hormones. So we, he sent us to uh, a specialist, and, um, and uh, so we went to see that specialist, and he had to go through a battery of tests, and uh, we had to be in the hospital uh, most of the day one day, and these nurses kept coming around, drawing blood every half hour as they manipulated him with certain drugs to see if he's producing any growth hormones, and the result was... Adam was producing zero growth hormones. He stopped growing when he was 12, and now he's 15. The doctor told us, don't worry, uh, we're going to give him the legal HGH, and uh, he'll be hitting home runs and bodybuilding before we know. Uh, as you can see how skinny Adam is, he got the height, but he hasn't got his father's weight. And so Adam has grown. He's six foot one now. Now, the doctor says, don't worry, his maturity, everything, it's going to catch up. 
And it, it certainly has. And so, but Adam needed some help to grow. He completely stopped growing. Now, I share that with you because the case is among so many that spiritually speaking, many of us can and maybe possibly are in the state of not growing. We, we, we are producing zero bone within our spiritual life. And so perhaps this morning this will be an intervention for you that we can, can help you to understand that a mark of a disciple is to be a growing disciple. And I selected Psalm 1 this morning. I'm not going to really emphasize all six verses, but primarily look at the first three. And in those first three verses, we learn some things about a growing disciple. The first is, a growing disciple is a happy disciple. You want to be happy? Who likes to be sad? Who likes to, to walk around depressed? Nobody does. Uh, uh, we, we all want to have joy in our life. We all want to have this, this peace and contentment. We want to be happy spiritually. Now, I, I have to say this about the word happy because the verse says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. This word blessed can also give us the idea of happiness. But what also we see in this word of blessed is the man is really it's, it's the state of where he's at. He's a blessed man. He has received or will receive happiness, joy, or even fortunate circumstances. Now, that is the type of disciple I want to be. That is the type of disciple I want you to be. I want you to be happy. Not happy because of all the things that are happening in the world, but happy because you are a growing, thriving child of God who is learning and applying God's Word to your life each and every day. A growing disciple is a happy disciple. But I want to talk about, we're talking about marks of discipleship, and really there's three marks that I've identified in the Scripture about being a happy disciple. First of all, a happy disciple is one who trusts in God. If you want to be happy, you have to trust Him. Now the psalmist tells us, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. We have to trust in God, and there's two facets to this. If you want to be happy, you have to first acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. You must trust in Him and trust in Him for the work that He's accomplished on the cross at Calvary to die, to shed His blood, to forgive you of your sins that you might receive eternal life. That's where it begins, that saving trust. But it also encompasses the trust that we need every day of our lives, not for salvation, but God wants us to depend on Him. You cannot depend on your spouse, you cannot depend on your children, your job, or the circumstances of life to be a happy disciple. You have to trust in God. Trust in Him. The second mark is that He is forgiven by God. 
The psalmist says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. Why is this important? Look, child of God, you need to know that you are forgiven of your sins. I don't know how many people that we have seen stunted in their growth because they're harboring, there's some, some festering, that they're unwilling to let go of something that God did let go. He forgave your sin. It's time to let it go. Cue the song Frozen. Let it go. Let it, oh, I won't sing that. Never mind. That's Aaron's job. But God has forgiven you. And a happy disciple comes to an understanding that we are forgiven. Isn't that a blessing to know that we are forgiven of God? Amen. Lastly, he is obedient to God's word. You want to be a happy disciple? You have to be obedient to God's words. Notice these two scriptures. One's in the Psalms. It says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. If we're going to be a happy disciple who keeps, who observes, who applies, who practices, then obviously we need to read, to know, to understand what God's Word says. Jesus said, but He said, blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. If you want to be a happy disciple, if you want to receive joy and happiness of the Lord, if you want to, if you will, receive or continue to receive a sense of contentment of happiness, then trust in God, know that you're forgiven, dive into His Word, and observe what God has commanded. There it is, I'm done. Oh wait, I have more. As Billy Mays says, but wait, there's more if you buy now. No, just kidding. So a happy, a growing disciple is a happy disciple. But a growing disciple is a sin-forsaking disciple. Notice, blessed is the man who does what? Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So what we begin to observe here is that uh, a growing disciple refuses, refuses to be influenced by sin. Now look, we, we have sin, we have temptation that surrounds us every day. We have to make an intentional decision that we're not going to let temptation and sin influence us. A disciple who denies sin then, because we're all sinners, we all combat it every day, but we're not going to allow sin to progress in our life. We're not going to just casually start walking and then become more settled as we progress along, because we don't, we don't want to settle in sin. We don't want to come to a point and say, you know what, I'm just going to stay here uh, doing the things that are contrary to God, being disobedient to God, because what it'll do, it'll erode, it will destroy your life. So a growing disciple is a sin-forsaking disciple. You see, what sin does is it hinders spiritual growth. It does. 
You may not realize it. You may be sitting there thinking, you know, if I just dabble here a little bit, no one's going to know. No one's going to care. I'm going to do it secretly. But what you're doing is you're slowly compromising your growth in the Lord. You're hurting the relationship that you have with a God who has saved you and forgiven you of your sin. And now you're hindering your spiritual growth. The writer of Hebrews, he, he talked about how sin can hinder our race, our journey, our walk with Christ. When he says, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, I don't know why that put up there, but I guess it is. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So notice this. Let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Why? Because it hinders our run. It hinders our race. And if you want to be a growing disciple who is happy, if you want to be a growing disciple who is forsaking sin, then you need to let it go. You need to shed it off like a dirty garment. It's time to confess it, it's time to address it, it's time to acknowledge it, it's time to put it behind you and begin to walk forward that you can grow in Christ. So a growing disciple is a happy disciple. A growing disciple is a sin-forsaking disciple. And a growing disciple is a learning disciple. Now this almost sounds like redundancy. And I did this on purpose. The word disciple means learner. And I want you to understand that. So if you're going to call yourselves a disciple of Christ, then you're going to have to be a learner. A learner. And Psalm 1-2 tells us, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we begin to see that a growing disciple who is a learning disciple is a disciple who takes pleasure in reading God's Word. We should be excited to read God's Word, to read it again and again and again and again. Now, I'll have to confess, I, I'm not much of a reader. In fact, I, I struggled reading at a young age. And if it wasn't for my first grade teacher who was so patient with me and took time with me to learn to read and comprehend, uh, I'd be a mess. But I struggled with it all through school. And then in high school, I had a teacher, this is, check out her name, Miss Manic. <laughs> like as in manic depression. <laughs> but she loved every student. And she got me to read like Of Mice and Men and other books, and I started really enjoying reading. Then when I was saved, then they wanted me to read the Bible. And, and I would always start off well, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and by chapters 4 and 5, so-and-so begets so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, that, I mean, sometimes we feel that way, right? But it has to be in there for a reason, 
And as you study and you grow, you begin to get excited to see the principles from God's Word jump out. And yeah, I didn't understand everything in the beginning, but as I read and, 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 and discovered and read some more and discovered some more, and God just kept working in my life, I love to read God's Word. And we ought to be a people who delight in immersing ourselves in God's Word each and every day. But a growing disciple is a person who will meditate, not just read to read words, but to meditate upon God's Word. Now, from California, I live in the Central Valley. There's a lot of fruits and nuts there, literally and figuratively. <laughs> but also that you might not know that's there is dairies and a lot of poultry. And so in California, we have uh, foster farms, uh, a lot of dairy, a lot of poultry, and uh, a lot of, uh, in my, in my, one of my pastorates, I had a lot of dairy farmers, went on there. If you ever want to experience what the plague of flies is like, uh, just walk onto a dairy in California and you'll know. It's everywhere. But what, what I've learned, though, is that cows chew the cud. Have you heard that expression? You see, a cow has multiple stomachs, four, and what to do, they'd, they'd eat their hay or their grain, whatever it is, and they would chew, swallow, I know this is great right before lunch, right? <laughs> Regurgitate, mm, always tastes better the second time, chew it, grind it, swallow, regurgitate, and do this process again and again. Why? That they can gain all the nourishment from what they're eating. Look, brother, we need to chew the cud of God's Word. We need to, to take God's Word, to read it, to chew on it, to, 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 to nourish it, to regurgitate it, chew it some more, that it can make a difference in our life. A growing disciple is a learning disciple. I want to share with you just for a moment ways to encourage you to grow. First of all, you need to be involved in personal study. That means in your home, uh, in a quiet time, you open your Bible and you read. You read. There are so many different Bible reading plans you can choose from. You can read the Bible in a year. You can read Bible in six months. You can read Bible in 90 days. Or if you're like Brother Lynn, who's addicted to Bible reading, Lynn reads like like one time a month, and I don't know how he does it. It's like, he does. It, it's, it's crazy. Now, he, he doesn't do it all the time like that, but he always puts, you'll notice on Facebook, you know, first time this year. Also, by the end of the year, I'm like struggling to finish three. He's like, seventh time done. I'm like, oh, he just goes at it. But whatever your speed, you just need to start to study God's Word to slowly progress. If it's just a chapter, read a chapter. It's a beginning. It's a start. If you can tackle three chapters, five chapters, begin to read for personal study. And just don't read for words, but ask, what difference does this make in my life? Why would God want me to know this? Begin personal study. A second way is one-on-one -on -one discipleship or mentoring. You know, if you notice in the New Testament, I mean, Jesus poured into 12 men for 
three and a half years, let's just say eight hours a day, that's a lot of time, and they still had room to grow. So if we did some personal study and then we connected with someone that maybe is, that, that, that is maybe more knowledgeable, maybe, uh, you know, whom we look at is, that can help us in our study of God's Word, that can walk with us. Uh, I think one-on-one discipleship is very biblical of making a disciple and, and to teach them and encourage them to walk with them, to live life with them, to help them in their journey for the Lord. It helps them to grow. We can also call it mentoring. But also to be involved in the local church. You see, to grow, personal study is, is what you need to be doing every day, but if, if, if all your local church involvement is, is on a Sunday morning without personal study, without one-on-one discipleship, you know you're starving. You're, it, you know, it, it, it's, like, it's like spiritual anorexia. You're starving yourself if all the nourishment you're going to get is on Sunday morning from a sermon. You need more. Now, the church can only do so much. You have to take responsibility for your spiritual growth. But at Faith NLR, we're here to help you to grow. Yes, we have worship services like we're experiencing right now, but we also have small groups. We meet at 9 a.m. and we have a group for any age, from young to old. Even some, you know, specializing. We have a class for women. Sister Maddie teaches. We, 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 we have a, a, a young adult class. We have a class for every age. And if you're not involved in a small group, I want to ask you why. If you want to grow, be involved in a small group. Because we're here to help you to grow and to foster growth in the Lord. Lynn preached in his series on Ephesians. And uh, this came to my mind this week as I began to study, but in Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, notice the, the, the church involvement in helping you grow. It says, And he gave, gave the apostles and the prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I want to stop right there. Did you see this word gave? Do you know Lynn is a gift to our church? You know that Aaron is a gift to our church? Amen. Dare I say, I'm, a, I'm God's gift to you. <laughs> but listen, look. God gave these positions, these, 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 these people to do, a, to do a work. To equip all of you to do the work that God has called us to do, but also for the building up, for the edification for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ. Now notice, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head unto Christ. It's our job as a church to assist you, to help you, to come alongside you, to grow, to become more like Jesus Christ in your everyday life. But how can we help you if you're unwilling to let us help you? So be involved in a small group. Come to worship service. Be, be more involved in all the activities of the church because, you know, Aaron's going to talk about serving next week. Lynn's going to come back and talk about giving and going. And really all of this helps in our growth for God. So be involved. Lastly, a growing disciple is a prospering disciple. I don't mean prospering in the sense that, man, if I do all these things, I'm going to be rich. You know, I'm, God's just going to bless me with wealth and fame and fortune. They're going to have a TV show about me, the real life of a prospering disciple. No, but God can prosper you spiritually. Now, notice in Psalm 1-3, it says that he's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Now, a prospering disciple is one who is abundantly nourished. Notice that it's a tree planted by the streams of water. One of the things that fascinates me about the mountains of California when they have water and not fires. There's a little fishing spot that myself and a few of my friends would go. It's called Lions Reservoir, and it's up in the Sierra Nevadas. And uh, we go down this road for about a mile. It's a dirt road. It's a pain. You got really need a four-wheel drive truck. If I mean, like, don't take your Honda Accord. I mean, it, it won't be good on the on the car nor yourself. But on that dirt road, you see all these trees growing out of the side of the mountain. And we have a horticulturist at the Denaire Church, and uh, he'd, he's my fishing buddy. And uh, I said, you know, that's weird looking at these trees growing out of the side of the mountain. And he starts flexing his horticulture knowledge. Well, Brother Todd, uh, that's because it's phototropism where as a, a plant or a tree begins to bend towards the light. And so literally, of a side of a hill, a tree will be growing out and up. But what's interesting is that a lot of these hillsides are begin to erode away, and so there's trees, literally, all their roots are exposed, and they are solid. They're not moving. Why? Because their roots run deep, because they're well-nourished. So these trees over time, whether it's weather, erosion, uh, you know, even fires, their roots run so deep that they're still standing. They're still strong, even though their roots are exposed. And you see, a growing disciple is one who has his roots run deep, Amen. is well-nourished, and we are nourished by the Word of God. But not only is, is a growing disciple, a prospering disciple, one who's abundantly nourished, but we also see that he is producing fruit in its season. Fruit in our life. Is there anywhere in the New Testament what type of fruit we should be producing? 
fruit, singular, of the Spirit. Love, joy, meekness, kindness, self-control, and so forth. Fruit in our life because what the Word of God does is it transforms us. And I hope when I reflect on what God's Word has done in my life, what God has done in my life, that I love better today than I did even a year ago. That I'm more kind today than I was a year ago. That I have more self-control today than I did a year ago. That God is doing a work in me and a work in you that we are continuing to improve and producing fruit in our life. And lastly, a prospering disciple is one who will not wilt in difficult times. Because notice, and its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. It's well-nourished, it's producing fruit, and difficult times will come. But how many times do we see people just quit God, quit the church, quit a lot of things? And I can tell you, I don't need that. I got to do. They quit and I can tell you that, that if you wanted to ana ana do an analysis of why people are quitting, because usually the first things people stop doing is reading their Bibles and praying. You want to see someone wilt and deteriorate, you just go right back to the very basic fundamental thing. And, and I know Lynn has asked me this. I know Lynn has asked other people they've counseled. I ask people who I counsel when they come and say, my life is a mess. The first thing it says, well, how's your quiet time with God? And some of them say, well, it's non-existent. Okay, let's back up and start over. Let's begin to implement personal study into your life. Because when we do, we become stronger that we can face the difficulties of life. Not at every instance will our, you know, we feel, you know, when things come that our hearts won't be broken. You know, there's times where our hearts should be broken. Not that we won't face, you know, some hardship, but we can handle it. We trust in God, we grow, and, and, and we continue to hold on to Him. And because of the time we spent growing in Him, when those difficult times, we just simply, I'm going to trust in God even among the... When I don't even understand. Even when it seems too difficult, I trust God because I have, I have so prepared myself... I have grown, God has matured me, that when difficult times come, I'm not going to wilt. I'm not going to wither. And so that in all that he does, he prospers. He grows. He matures. He, he can stand steadfast in difficulties. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is really a phenomenal reading in and of itself, it's interesting that he concludes the Sermon on the Mount and giving great principles, the beatitude, blessed is the one who is poor in spirit, to the model prayer, to, hey, 
seek God first in his kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you, how we should love one another, love our enemies. He talks about all that and he concludes this. Notice in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says, build your house on the rock. Every within who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock build your house on the rock the word of God and you will not fall if you fail to do so notice and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Do you want to prosper in difficult times? Build your house on the rock. May the word of God be a foundation to your life. You see, God intends for us to grow. He has given you all the tools, but it's now time that we take personal responsibility for our own growth. Church family, we need to come alongside others who want to grow. We need to help them to grow spiritually. Now, can you imagine then that every member at Faith NLR took responsibility for their own spiritual growth? There is no telling what God can accomplish through a people who build their house upon the rock. There is no telling the revival that will break out. There is no telling the revitalization that could happen in your own life and as a church if we all begin to immerse ourselves and take responsibility to grow. I like Brother Don. He's a cheerleader. Appreciate that. It's time we take growth serious. You need some of that spiritual HGH. And it's right here. And I pray this morning that you'll begin right now as this new year begins to unfold before us. Read, meditate on God's Word. Be a happy disciple. Be a sin-forsaking disciple. Be a learning disciple. And you will prosper. And be a prospering disciple. Would you stand with me this morning?
you're here this morning and perhaps your Bible reading is not what it should be, then make the commitment right now. God, starting today, I'm going to implement a plan to read your word each and every day. I'm going to spend time with you in Bible study and prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're, you're, you're not involved in a small group. Maybe God has convicted your heart. You know, I, I, need, I need further help to grow. Can I tell you that every small group teacher wants to come alongside you and help you grow. Come to a small group. You don't know which one to go to? You can find Lynn. You can find me. You can find Aaron. We can find you a small group. But I also want to ask this morning that maybe you're here and maybe you haven't begun to grow at all. What I mean by that, maybe you're here and you have yet to trust Christ as your Savior. A mark of a growing disciple is to trust in Christ. And I pray this morning that if you do not know Christ, that you might come and you might come to Lynn or myself. Let us pray alongside you, with you. If you have further questions of how, you know, what difference will Christ make in your life, we would love to tell you. We'd love for you to come. Perhaps you're here and, and you know the Lord is your Savior and you want to grow. You know the first step of, a, of obedience and application of God's Word to your life after salvation is following the Lord in baptism. Making a commitment, I am going to grow in Christ. Maybe you need to be baptized. I can tell you, we love to baptize. We want to see you be obedient to Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you need a church home to where you can have a body of people to grow with you. I'm kind of partial to faith in LR. I love my church because they love Jesus. And Jesus loves people. And we're a life-changing church. And we want to help God change your life. And if you'd like to come and be a part of our church family, we invite you to come. And so if you'll bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment, if you need to come for salvation, baptism, church membership, our pastor is here in front. We, we would love for you to come and to, to speak with him. If you want to grow, we pray you'll make a commitment to grow. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace and mercy. Father, we thank you for loving us as children. And as children, you want to see us to grow and to mature. 
to become more like you. And Father, I realize that we must take responsibility for our growth. And I pray that each of us will take that responsibility, that we'll commit ourselves, dedicate ourselves in growing, of reading your word, applying it to our lives. And we do that privately, but we also want to commit to doing it publicly within our church family, being involved in small group and worship services and the various activities that we might be the man or the woman that you would have us to be. Father, we thank you and we praise you each and every day. Thank you for loving us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.